welcome to 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twig, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. Yes. It's Monday again already. It comes around fast, doesn't it? Amazing. That's right. Time flies when you're having fun. March 1st. That's right. The the year where we are almost coming to the end of the first quarter. Wow. You know what, Ted? I think people need to go back and listen to our January 1st episode. Mm. That's what I think. Tell them a little little bit about that episode. Because that thing is happening, Ted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That thing where we're excited about our goals, we say we're going to do these things, and then all of a sudden, life happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, that we stop thinking about our goals and it's back to business as usual. I can't wait till 2020 is behind. Well, it's 2021. Exactly. Exactly. 2021 is going to be my year. Right. So we, we got to keep track of what we're doing with our with our goals. And yeah. yeah, I'm afraid it's getting so people need to go back and listen to that January 1st episode. Matter Absolutely. of fact, I'm going to put it in the show notes just to just to jog everybody's memory. But I'm excited about today. It's March 1st. Now, our guest today, we're going to introduce him in a little bit. Trust me when I tell you, he doesn't have that issue. No. I mean, he's making it happen. I mean, he's writing books. He's got his podcast. He's coaching all of these super successful entrepreneurs. And he's got this mission to help men that we're going to talk about. But I, I don't want to, that was just a teaser. Just a teaser. Out. Right, right, right. Just, just to prepare the people for what yeah. we got coming up. Yeah, um, yeah. But before we go there, I, I did want to talk about the What Now movement. It's Marketing Monday. And as you know, we've got What Now University that's kicking off. I mean, we're, we're into class five that's coming up. The master class session we've been having on Saturdays at 10 o'clock Eastern time. And this, this week, we're talking about small business funding with Lakendra McNair. And she's a vice president in the banking world. She can tell you everything you wanna know about getting your small business funded and getting that money and getting the bank without appearing on Shark Tank. So you you definitely want to check that out. It's this coming Saturday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, The doors open at 9.30 for networking. Anything you wanted to add to that, Ted, before we move on? The virtual doors open at (laughs) 9.30. Like, I don't want people thinking, man, don't they know it's a pandemic? Like. Where are you going to squeeze a thousand people into like a conference room during a pandemic? No, in the virtual world, yes. the doors open at 9 30. Bring a friend. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that, Ted. <laughs> I don't want people looking to give me the side eye thinking that we're not following the CDC guidelines or anything like that. We, we are definitely following the CDC guidelines. No, this is all virtual. So to get your ticket, you need to go to whatnowuniversity.com so you can go through the virtual door. Yeah. Because you don't want people coming like to your house or something, <laughs> looking, for, looking for bagels and cream cheese and coffee and all that. No, you got, there's bagels and cream cheese, whatever you want. You just got to bring it yourself because it's at your house. <laughs> Eggs, bacon, whatever you want to do for breakfast, you know, at this event is, is bring your own, bring your own breakfast. That's right. That's right. I'm glad we clarified that for the people. All right. So as you can see by now, this is truly not your everyday podcast. No, no, we, we, we do things a little different. <laughs> but, but you can find us on the 30 minute hour Facebook page. You can go to the 30 minute hour Instagram page. Shout out to those of you that are watching me on IGTV. You can also go to the podcasting platforms. Uh, like iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple Podcasts 
And you can go to our website, the30minutehour.net. And there you'll find us. So, Ted? Yes, Eric. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share, Eric. But in honor of our guest, uh, this came to mind. This is something I've talked about before, but I really think it applies to what we're going to get into today. I want to talk about the secret to achieving ultimate performance. The secret to achieving ultimate performance. So there's the story of an eight-year-old boy. His name was Bobby, and he was out of control. And he would do the exact opposite of whatever his mother Molly would tell him to do. So when she would say, sit down, he would stand up. She would say, be quiet, he would just talk louder. When she said, stop running, he would just run even faster. He was out of control, Ted. But Pradeep is looking like he knows Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a Bobby in our world somewhere. All right. I won't even talk about mine. But Molly, <laughs> Molly knew that Bobby liked to work with puzzles. So mm -hmm. as a last ditch effort to settle him down, she gave him a puzzle of the world globe to put together. She gave him this advanced adult level puzzle, figuring that he this would occupy all of his time and give her some much needed peace and quiet. <laughs> but to her surprise, Mitch uh, returned to her, he returned to her side five minutes later, having solved the puzzle. Wow. He returned five minutes later. And she said, now how did you put that together so fast? So Ted, this is where you gotta pull up to the side of the road. This is it. You gotta press pause on the treadmill. Put the ham sandwich down. It's right. time to put the ham sandwich down. That's right. Because Bobby's answer reveals the secret to achieving ultimate performance. Here's what he had to say. Here's how Bobby responded. He said, oh yeah, it was easy. On the opposite side of the globe puzzle pieces was the picture of a man. I turned the pieces over and I focused on fixing the man. And once I put the man together, I could put the world together. Gee, it's a good thing you pulled over for that. Yeah. Wow. You had to fix the man first before you can fix the world. Mm. And, and so this focus on looking in the mirror and fixing the man is the secret to achieving ultimate performance. Mm. You have to start with fixing yourself. I know some, Erica. I know sometimes when you're putting this stuff together, boy, you'd be like, mm, this gonna get them. <laughs> that had to be a, this gonna, this gonna get a moment. Cause that right there, whew, mm. applause, applause. That was great. That was great. Oh, thanks. But it, it leads right into our guest. Our guest today, he teaches men on how to become a complete man who achieves ultimate performance. Mm. That's what he does. He is an internationally acclaimed personal advisor and coach to high-performing executives and entrepreneurs. Mm. Again, he teaches the men how to become the complete man, a man who achieves ultimate performance, fulfillment, and victory in every area of his life. Mm. He shows men how to live at their highest potential and be the best possible business leader, husband, father, and man they can be. Mm. From the very first moment he started managing employees at the age of 16, he was fascinated with business growth and leadership. And he spent his entire career solving complex problems and enhancing results for businesses and the lives of men. He significantly increased the performance and bottom line of businesses ranging from startups to seasoned corporations in countless industries. He's the ideal coach for businessmen as he has a vast understanding of how work and life fit together to complete a man's life. He is somebody. He, he is somebody. somebody. Mm. He's got, he looks like a podcasting professional. He but you look at him, oh, he, oh, he ready. 
He's like, bring it on. This is not a game. So please join me (laughs) in welcoming to the 30-minute hour podcast, Perdeep Singer. Hey, gentlemen, Eric and Ted, man, you guys are thoroughly uh, engaging and entertaining, I have to say. I I got this guy that you were just talking about. (laughs) Yeah. man. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, guys. It is truly an honor to have you on the show. So let's get at it. I want to give people the backstory of how you got to to this point. So let's start with your childhood. Um, During your childhood years, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, wow. (laughs) I think like like most kids, I wanted to be a superhero. Um, I wanted to do all these fascinating things. But you know who my biggest hero was? Was MacGyver. I absolutely loved MacGyver. I was I was fascinated by that show, um, the way he just brought things together, solved complex problems, and always ended up getting himself out of this pickle, right? So uh, for, for me, he was he was someone that I just totally admired. So if it was anybody, I would say someone like him. But you know, um, obviously. We're told we're supposed to be, you know, successful in other ways. So my parents had be a doctor or a lawyer or other aspects. It was part of part of uh, my upbringing. But uh, in all honesty, it was MacGyver or veterinarian. Those those were the two two big things for me uh, that I wanted to go down. But my parents said, hey, look, the veterinarian path. Well, first, MacGyver. That's yeah, that's a TV show. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen there. Second, uh, veterinarian isn't really a respectable occupation at that time because my parents were immigrants and they were working their butts off for us. And they said, you know, we were spending all this time and effort putting you guys to school, you know, but be something that will make us proud. So I kind of steered away from the, the veterinarian um, aspect. And, and my original education was in biochemistry. I was planning on becoming a doctor, but that wasn't for me. I hated the sign of the sight of blood. Just made me just... <laughs> I'm with you there. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah, that, that could be a problem. Not liking blood and being in the veterinary game for sure. So, uh, if you could go back to those times, knowing what you now know, what advice would you give to yourself? Well, back back when I was a kid. Yeah, if you go back to those childhood years. Yeah, I would just say you know my my childhood upbringing was actually really good. It was also challenging in certain ways. Um, I would say the one big challenge I faced as a child was. Um, my dad suffered from alcoholism mm. and so that that was one thing but I wouldn't change that because that is what really made me who I am today because mm. I started learning and studying men at that period in terms of what drove him to drink so if there was one thing I would say well actually there'd be two uh, one would be spend more time with my grandparents and my father learning from them because I think they passed obviously suddenly and I just didn't get a chance to download all their knowledge and expertise and just spend some more moments with them and the second would probably be just a little bit more forgiving I think towards my dad because uh, I didn't really understand fully what he was going through and it's not until I was later in my years and I had a family of my own I was like I understand now I understand how he felt in that situation I understand why he made the decision to do that so those would be the two things That's interesting. So talk more about that as far as how your experiences with your dad it turned you into the person that you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. My dad was a, a very interesting person. He's, he's very dynamic from the pr- perspective of he was a big guy, uh, very disciplined, very strong physically as well, very, had a ton of presence. Like he came into the room and you couldn't even like you didn't even have to hear him or know it, but you could just tell he was there. Like he had that presence in him. And he had a turban and he had a beard. Like he was just a very respectable person from that perspective. But then he also had this different side to him when he, when he would just drink too much. And he was just like a completely different man. Someone that, you know, in a way we were uh, afraid of Mm. when when I was younger as a kid. So I started, I was the only person in the household that could calm him down. I was the only person in the household as a young kid that could reason with him and get him to go to bed, for example, when he was frustrated or angry. And, a, and I used to actually sleep with him when he would drink mm. because for some reason, my presence would calm him down. Wow. And I don't know why that was or what happened, but then I started to under, like, try to really understand, okay, why, why would he drink like that? What, you know, what is driving him to that point? What is, uh, what's challenging my parents' relationship, for example? And all of those, you can see dynamics of men, men in relationships, men in society 
at that young age. And, and that was a big factor in terms of why I started to study psychology, for example, and masculinity, and particularly men, the male psyche. And uh, it, was a, it was a big catalyst for who I am today. Uh, so I would say if it wasn't for my dad, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. So it was, it was these experiences with your dad that led you down the road of becoming this advisor and coach. Yeah, absolutely. Because the one thing that I, I look back at is my dad was also a business owner and entrepreneur. Like he, he uh, from that perspective, never struggled with money. Eventually, like he immigrated from India with $11 in his pocket next to nothing. And he was working his butt off and feeding his, uh, his family, his parents and his siblings in India while he had a family here. So he was the hardest working man I knew. And he never struggled with money eventually when he had his own business but he struggled in other aspects. And yeah. that's really why I was just, you know, I was really confused. The man, a man that has everything, but still is feeling unfulfilled in some ways. Um, and I, I look back, the one driving force in terms of what drives me today is because when I see men, and I would say eight out of 10 men that I work with are in a very similar situation, not the exact scenario, but the same feelings that they're feeling unfulfilled in some way, something in their life isn't going right. So I always look back and say, what if my dad had someone like me around with my skills, my abilities in terms of being able to coach him through certain stuff? How would his life have been different? Uh, and I don't want other guys to struggle like that, especially when they don't need to, because we know when men struggle, for example, they struggle in their relationships with their significant other, with their wives, for example, and they struggle as a father. And we already know that, especially it's not as bad here in the U.S. in terms of the stats, but we know that over 50% of children in the U.S. are being raised without full-time fathers. It's an epidemic in itself. And so we need to come back and strengthen the family units. And I'm a firm believer because when my dad wasn't drinking, it was like nothing could hurt us. Our family was completely solid. And I think that's where we need to kind of get back to from a family perspective. But that only happens if men have sound mentorship and, and can really get themselves on the right path. So that's my goal ultimately is help them in business so they're not struggling from that perspective, but also help them in other aspects of their life. Wow. Yeah, that, this is interesting. So, and I'm sure you come across men in your work who have a similar experience to you where maybe the father struggled with alcoholism, but it's like they use that as a crutch and kind of blame that on failures that they have in their life. But you seem to have taken it to a whole positive. So, so help, me, help us understand how two people can go through something similar, but kind of take a different perspective on that. Well, it really comes down to meaning. And I think what we put our thoughts to when it comes to the actual meaning of the situation is, is what's most important. Our, our brain is constantly trying to find meaning with our current experiences and, and our thoughts and our uh, memories. And it's that meaning that we give it that is the most important thing. So we, we, two people can experience the exact same situation with the same factual experiences, but it's a meaning that we drive from it. And so some people just I, I don't say right or wrong or, or positive or negative. It's either disempowering you or it's empowering you. Mm -hmm. And I've chosen because of even through the teachings of my dad, because outside of drinking, he was an amazing person. He just had this vice. He just couldn't get through because he just didn't know how to beat it. And my grandfather was also a big, a strong figure because my, my grandfather was in the military. He was, he spent decades in the military, but was also a very spiritual man. My great grandfather was a spiritual teacher in India for 50 years. So I, I grew up with all these dichotomies, you can say, differences of the, the ends of the spectrum, war and spirituality. A, a guy that was like totally, uh, you know, masculine and, and present. And we've, we, our family was totally solid. But then the point where he would drink and be like, what's going on? Like our family is just all over the place. So it was these, these uh, I, I would say, see, seeing the different spectrums of family units, seeing the different spectrums of men that, uh, that help me drive meaning uh, in terms of what I do today. And I think some people, I think if they just take a moment to actually find a meaning and find a purpose, that that is actually what can lead them to results. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and it's commendable that you're uh, taking this work on and really focusing on the man, because I agree with you. I mean, if, if you have the man, all the stats show that if the man is present in the house and functioning and doing his thing, I mean, it just changes the whole dynamic of the family in a positive way. 
Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Yeah, what you're doing is certainly commendable. So, you, and you also, you work with these high-performing executives and entrepreneurs. So, so talk about the specific things they get from you after working with you. Well, it, it really comes down to what they want to achieve. So some people in particular, they just want to grow their business. And so that's, uh, that's, I would say that's an easy part because the business strategy aspect is the easy thing for me, I think, in terms of helping them. It's the inner work that's a tougher part. So when it comes to what do they get the most, it's really getting a clear picture on the life that they want to have. They get an understanding of how to have inner control and really master themselves rather than being mastered by their situation. Mm. And so they come out even more powerful than they are before. And so it comes to emotional mastery and it comes to growth and it comes to having better relationships with not only with their spouses and their, their kids, but also themselves. So, and here's ultimately what it is. When I talk about being the complete man, it's about the ability to be complete from within so that regardless of what your external circumstances are, you're performing at your best, you are at your best and you feel fulfilled with what you have in your life. And so that is where I think uh, we need to be as men because once we are complete from within, then we can easily get the stuff from externally. The challenge with a lot of guys is they try to get things externally and even if they get it or not, they're a lot of times they're not fulfilled. And so that's where being complete from within can help because it, whatever happens on the outside happens, but you feel complete within. And it's a lot easier to get the externals when you're complete from within. So, so can you share some examples from your world where people are thinking that they, you know, they're going after these external things, but they're missing something internally? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a prime example. It's a, uh, so emotions is a big one. So this is the first thing when someone comes to me and says, Hey, look, Pradeep, I want to grow my business. And this is what we need to do. The first question I ask them is, okay, when we, when we hit this goal, how do you want to feel? So to give me the top three to five emotions that you want to feel at this point. And the, most guys are like, what do you mean? What do emotions have to do with business growth and, uh, and revenue? I said, it has everything because if we work a year, two years, three years down the road, however long it takes to get to that goal that based on what we determine, if you don't feel those emotions then it's all gone to waste. Mm -hmm. And here's a prime example. There's a young gentleman I was working with and he was, um, he was making eight figures and he wanted to hit the nine figure mark um, in terms of revenues per, per year. And he said, and I asked him this question, I said, what kind of emotions do you want to have? And because the emotions that you have then derive the lifestyle that you need to have to support those emotions. Mm -hmm. and, and if you follow me here, so he basically wanted a life of peace and content and so forth. But I said, if you have a nine figure business, chances are you're not going to be feeling a lot of peace and content like that. That is, there's going to be a lot of stress involved. Yeah. And so he had to back up on that a little bit and, and adjust his revenue target to be significantly lower because we just have this, this off target in terms of what we're looking for, because ultimately what we're doing and the decisions we make is to feel something is to have a certain emotion. And so most people end up making, uh, designing their life backwards. They get a business or a career thinking that it's going to create the lifestyle that's going to make them feel a certain way, where well, it should be the other way. You find the emotions you want to feel, you create the lifestyle that supports that, or you determine what lifestyle will support that. And then you determine what business or career will actually support that lifestyle. And so some guys are happy with nine to five and there's nothing wrong with that because they get to go home and spend more quality time with their family than those entrepreneurs that are sitting there working evenings and weekends, trying to, either make ends meet or they're just whatever it is that, you know, they, they tell themselves that they're trying to build a better lifestyle, but they're doing the complete opposite along the way. Mm. And so that's, that's just one example. Um, emotional control is another one in terms of how you deal with your emotions. A lot, we have the stereotype that men are not emotional. We're just as emotional as women. We just know how to turn the switch on and off a little bit mm. easier than women do. And so when we learn to harness our emotions and actually put them in the right area and channel them because emotions are energy, that's essentially what emotions are. Mm -hmm. If we learn how to use them in the right way, then they actually become very powerful. Here's a prime example. When we write down goals, you should always put in as much emotion into your goals as possible. Mm -hmm. And I, I've done this with a lot of CEOs and, and entrepreneurs where they're like, okay, you know, here's my goal. I'm like, how do you feel about it? I feel good. Well, why don't you tell your face that 
And you know what? Let's 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 be a little bit excited here. And, and the reason is because a lot of the work that I do is based on performance psychology and neuroscience. And there are studies, many studies now, but Stanford is one of the main ones that has shown that the more emotions you put into a goal, the more likely you are to achieve it because you will be more passionate, you'll be more consistent, and you'll more be more persistent in achieving that goal. So if you want to have quality goals, that includes having emotions attached to them. Every time you think of that goal, it should make you feel empowered in some way. Now you can have a, 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 a goal like uh, whatever it may be and attach anger to it if it drives you, but that's very seldom. But you know, these powering, empowering emotions like joy, love, whatever it is, that passion, these are kinds of emotions that you want to put into your goal because just by writing them out isn't going to do you any good. Wow. Let me ask you this. <laughs> I'm asking this for a friend, by the way. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts of this whole, you know, they call it a third party motivator, where, where some people are motivated because maybe somebody told them they couldn't do it. And it's mm -hmm. like, they just get, they get mad and it just really focuses them. But what, what do you think of that? Like, you know, if you look back and people have said you couldn't do something or said you weren't good enough, or said you weren't smart enough. What do you, what do you think of uh, people using that as a, motivators that release the goals. Wow, uh, I, I think it can work because essentially even that, for example, that extrinsic force is creating an intrinsic feeling of some sort. Mm. So it ultimately comes to how they are wanting to feel internally and what drives them inside. And that's the difference between someone making money for the sake of making money. That just doesn't drive people very far, right? But feeling like, hey, look, I can prove this person wrong. I am good enough. Whatever that is can be a very strong driving factor for an individual. So even though, you know, I, I tell people not to compare themselves and don't worry about what other people think. If it's driving you, it's driving you. If that internal force is driving you, then let it fuel you. That's interesting. You know, I always think about you know, some of these sports teams and like you look at a team like the Patriots that win all the time and they're like, yeah, no one thought we could do it. Oh, no. You've been doing the last 20 years. A bunch, <laughs> a bunch of people thought you could do it, but, but that's, what you, that's what you do, right? You like you find this way of, you know, it's it's us against the world. I mean, that's kind of the mindset that they have to, to go into. And it's, you know, just everybody, boxers. I mean, this person's never lost a fight, but he finds some way to make it sound like no one thinks I could, thought I could do this. I'm going to shock the world. You're 75, you're 75 and 0. You didn't really shock the world. We're not shocked. <laughs> no, and I think coaches use that. You know, they'll they'll bring in the bulletin board with you. Hey, you know, this is what they're saying about you. You, know, you gotta get out there and prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I agree with you 100 percent because if, if you don't really have some type of emotion tied to it, you'll be a lot less likely to uh, to move in that direction. Yeah, you know, I'll just give you another example. Like some of my best workouts are when I'm pissed off. When I have that anger, because I go in there and I just drive myself even harder. Like, and I know, and I can play with those emotions because um, I've trained myself to the point where I know that it's not hurting me in any way. I can stop that negativity and use that anger in a positive direction. And so when you use that, and, and in, in the book, there's uh, the Think and Grow Rich. They talked about, you know, transmutation, about transferring energy from one form into another. That's exactly what we're talking about here from an energy perspective is, is being able to convert that. So uh, once you get become a master of your emotions, it becomes actually a fun. It's almost like a game because someone can say something to you that would tick, you know, it might tick you off normally, but you can actually turn that around and actually start laughing back and actually be happy about it. So it's very powerful. Yeah, I think the key is just being able to channel it and keep it under control and, and it goes back to being aware. So that's awesome. Awesome. So you're the author of The Complete Man, uh, Achieving Ultimate Performance, Fulfillment and Victory in Every Area of Your Life. So let's talk about this book. What inspired you to write it? Wow. So it was 2020 when I started writing it and finished writing it. So it, it was it was a book that I had in my mind for a while. And I literally uh, the big inspiration was my dad, because I wanted to get the word out there. I wanted to get the teachings out there to the general public. So a book is one of the best ways. So that was a big inspiration is a I wanted to help people and B, it was kind of a way for me to tell my story because every chapter within the book has some kind of a story 
whether it's a personal story of mine or my father's or uh, someone I've worked with, a man that I've worked with in, in some way, shape or form. So telling those stories, are, it was important for me because when men hear these stories, uh, of all the feedback that I get, it's the stories that really touch men because they're like, I feel like I've been in this situation or I know a friend that's in this situation. So that was a big thing. And it was COVID. I, we, we were in lockdown and we were spending, so I had a choice and I basically made the choice of saying, okay, so I'm going to let my team do all the stuff that they need to do from a consulting standpoint. I'm not going to take on any new clients. I'm going to write this book and I'm going to focus on my book and I'm going to focus on my family. And those were the two things that I focused on in 2020. And uh, it, it paid off from the perspective I've spent way uh, more quality time with my family. And I enjoyed writing the book and the process that came along with it. So hopefully now the, the, the whole goal and aim for the book is really to get it out there and, and put it in the hands of as many men as possible so that they can have these, whether it's, there's real practical strategies. And also in a lot of ways, guys uh, and, and women fall in this category too. They, sometimes they just need permission. They need permission and you gentlemen know, right? You guys, you guys coach and you guys consult. And sometimes people just need permission to feel a certain way or to do something uh, because they're questioning themselves. Is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Am I odd because I'm thinking or feeling this way? So it's just an opportunity for people to just get real. It's real and raw ultimately at the end of the day. Awesome. So, and this is an, I have a copy of the book. You may be hard time have a hard time seeing it with my uh, green screen, but I do have it here. Um, it, it's really a good read. I would encourage everybody to check it out. We can certainly put it uh, put it in the notes. So, if you could only direct someone to one chapter, you, you could only have them read one chapter of the book. <laughs> Which one would it be, and why? Oh wow! Yeah. You got him there. Yeah, you got me. You, yeah, you, he said he was ready for any question. You, you oh, you gave him a slider right there. Yeah, you got me on that one, man. You got me on that one. I'm trying to help you, Bridget. Uh, yeah, I know. No, I appreciate that. Stalling, <laughs> yeah. Give me some time here. Um, I think, uh, so let me give you the generic answer, then you, then I'll give you a specific one. It depends on what the, the person is going through at, at that particular time in life. So different chapters will, uh, will or people relate to different chapters based on where they are in the situation. My personal if I was to say, you know, what is the one thing guys struggle with the most is what I just talked about, the emotions aspect. Because if you learn to master your emotions, you become more powerful than you can ever imagine. So the chapter on emotions, and, and I, I wish because I, I could have wrote a textbook, but my editor said, yeah, people aren't going to read it. Uh, and so I wish I could have gone into more detail in terms of each of those chapters, especially the one on emotions. But I had to give like a general um you can say an overview or high level guideline in terms of how to deal with emotions, but there's a lot more involved um, and it's so powerful. So that, that would be my one chapter. Okay. You on mastering your feelings. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you know, it's interesting. I listen to you for deep when you talk about emotions and especially in, when I think about it as a, as a business owner, being a business owner. And it's kind of like, I've always kind of, you know, felt like I've always just been like this. Like I never get, too excited about something good and I never get too down about something bad I'm just like this because I've always felt that that, that um, is what my team needs to see is what my customers need to see but then sometimes I realize I'm like well they kind of want to see me get excited about the little stuff right you know and I'm just like you know I feel like you know, I'm, I'm changing to try to figure out, okay, this is not just, because I think I do this for me, really, right. too, right? Because it just takes so much energy to, to like, ah! you know, <laughs> I know you guys want to see me do that again. Ah! Like, it's, it's, like, it takes too much energy for me to do that. Right? So I know Eric like that, you know, so I got to, you know, do this, but I think, you know, the team wants to see ah! from time to time, so. Yeah. Anything you can share on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you just, you just touched on something fundamental. A lot of the times, um, and men, this may or may not apply to you, but we, we go with this flat line because a, when things go down, we don't want to go down with it. Right. We want to remain at that level, but then what ends up happening is we stop ourselves from feeling the highs as well. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely correct. It requires energy. 
because mm -hmm. emotions are energy. Emotions do two things. They are a form of energy and information. Mm. And this is very powerful. And that's why when you see someone uh, have a strong emotion, you feel that energy. Like there's an actual, uh, you know, uh, an energy to it. You're actually absorbing it. And your brain is actually reading that energy and taking information from it as well and processing it and actually creating more energy from the recipient side. So it's very powerful. Like that's why we kind of gravitate to people that have a lot of energy or whatever it might be. Even when I, if you take a look at a public speaker, for example, it's not necessarily, people talk about charisma. It's not necessarily the charisma. It's the energy behind the charisma mm -hmm. that people are gravitating towards. And so that energy is so powerful. And wow. so uh, let me give you an example. When they measure, for example, monks, because we know a lot of monks can do some phenomenal feats, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're able to channel their cognitive and emotional energy in such a way. But what they did was they measured them um, in, in a number of studies in terms of, uh, you know, putting them under pain or whatever that looks like. But what they realized was the average person before they start to perceive pain and they, but, and they have a hint that pains around, they start feeling the pain before. Mm. And then there's this little, there's little spike and then they feel the pain gradually after. Well, what they found with monks is that they don't feel that much pain just they don't perceive the pain before they're not worried about the pain coming but when the pain does hit them there's a massive spike in terms of their feelings or they're feeling it actually more than the average person but what ends up happening is that spike comes down a lot faster so what's the whole uh, so what, what's the theme of the story the theme of the story is to feel your emotions mm. and feel them because emotions have two aspects to them they have frequency which means how often do you feel them, but they also have an amplitude. And this is one of the things that I've, and if you, from a wave perspective, you take a look at it, amplitude is how big that wave is. And when you're going like this, you're not turning that volume up. So amplitude, think of it as a volume, the tuner, right? The, the volume, you're putting the volume up. And so when you're like this, the volume isn't that high. And so, uh, and I've, I had to learn this by myself because there was a point in time in my life where I actually shut my emotions off for a while mm. and I did it to protect myself. Mm. And just as what you were saying, it required energy. And so I didn't have that energy at that time. But what I do purposefully now is that when I have these moments of joy or peace or these empowering emotions that I like, I literally tell myself, pretty, tune it up, tune it up. And so if I'm feeling a little bit of happiness, I purposely put more energy into it to feel more happiness because I have to train myself to be that way. And eventually what ends up happening is you'll notice that in those states of happiness, you'll feel more happiness, but in those states of sadness, you may or may not feel the same degree. So you have control over that as well, because a lot of times we feel like, hey, look, I don't want to feel super happy because then I'm going to feel super sad if something goes wrong too, yeah. right? And so there's a way of managing that. Wow. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, I've, I've done 99 podcasts with Ted. I've never seen him do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd like that. Uh... This is like a historic moment for me. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, we got a pump you full of emotions there. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. So let's talk about this thing called balance, right? Mm -hmm. It, it could be a controversial topic, right? So can, can you define for people, because you, know, you have, again, this is for people I know, some, some people are like hard charging type A personalities. So, so for that person that's watching us, that they like to work a lot and they feel like it's important, can you define balance, why it's important and what it looks like? Sure, so balance is dependent on the person because everybody, again, has a different personality. People are driven by different things. For example, some people just like to go, 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 right? That's what gives them energy. And if they sit down and they, they, if they're twirling their thumbs, they, they feel depressed or whatever that looks like. So everybody is different. You have to find what feels good for you. And I think here's the, here's the, the falsehood that a lot of us have tricked ourselves into is this feeling of feeling busy when we know if we're not feeling good, we know it right? So we're feeling, we're doing all these busy things, but we're not feeling good about it. But then we tell ourselves, hey, look, we're doing it because at some point in time in our life, we will have the balance and we will feel good. 
Well, here's what ends up happening. If you become a workaholic now, you're training your brain to continue to be a workaholic. Mm. And so it's very difficult for people to shut that off because you're literally training and wiring your brain to be that way. And it's very hard to unwire it, right? It takes a lot of work. And that's why people that are so used to working can't stop working. And it's, it's just, so I think ultimately, if I was to describe balance, it's where do you feel the most, uh, I, I shouldn't say peace, but find those emotions that you, that you want to feel on a regular basis. That's what I would say. Find those emotions that you want to feel on a regular basis, where you feel alive, where you feel passionate, where you feel good about life. And then you figure out where is that? Is that spending, you know, maybe 10 hours a day at work versus eight hours? Or maybe it's working four hours a day and having the rest of the time to do whatever you want. Every person is going to be different. And, and every person is going to require a different level of balance. Um, so I, I, it would be tough for me to say it's, you know, it's equal across the board. That's interesting that you, you say that because I, I think about oftentimes people like Ted, you, you work all the time, right? And then I think like, no, I don't. Right. Because like the stuff that I do, a lot of times I don't really it doesn't really feel like work. Like some people may think this is work. This is fun. I'm just hanging out with my buddy, Eric here. We meet interesting people. We talk about interesting stuff. This is I mean, during the pandemic, we just started creating more and more of this stuff. I mean, we just can't get enough of each other. We see more, more of each other virtually than ever. It's like every day we see each other. And this is not work like even the stuff that I do, you know, with my company, it's like, I enjoy strategy. I enjoy dealing with clients. So it's like, it's not work where somebody's like, oh, you know, well, you know, well, you take a vacation. But that's not going to be as much fun as this. Like, I can, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it, and so yeah. I think, like you just said, I think when you say it, each person is different. Like, I think if some people like, hey, I just need to just you know, they may have a real stressful job that they don't enjoy and don't enjoy being around the people that they're working with. And it's like, I need to be away from that. Yeah. Right? Or some, you know, they just, I just think that balances, I think it's kind of, like you said, it depends on who you are because I don't, like, I feel like I enjoy what I'm doing. I don't, you know, I, you know, you think about your parents and grandparents and people that were doing like heavy manual work. I think I'm clicking a Zoom link. You know, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn on my phone. Like, that's not, I'm sending emails. You know, the work part sometimes is the people. Yeah, and that's, a, and so you just nailed it. And there's there's a philosopher, Rumi, that talks about uh, every person has a right to their labor, but not the fruit of their labor. Mm. And and I, and, I, and I talk about that, I, maybe it's in my book or maybe it's not, but it's, it's one of the concepts of, hey, look, you should enjoy what you enjoy, what you're working towards, because you may not end up with the result that you're looking for. So enjoy, enjoy the work. And we learned this, we, we learned this the hard way being, so I grew up on an orchard. My parents were orchardists and, and that's the business. One of the businesses that we have is agriculture. And I grew up from a, a, a as long as I can remember being on an orchard and working on an orchard. Now it's not always fun conditions because it's super hot, long days, and you're doing physically labor, like physical labor out there, especially as a kid. But we learned how to enjoy it. And that would became a part of our life. And we were like, this is actually fun because here's what would happen. Nine months, we'd be working out of the year. And guess what? There could be a rainstorm or a hailstorm that could wipe out the crop in 10 minutes. Wow literally 10 minutes and just wipe out the crop uh, and and we would be sitting there being like you know we would pray that it wouldn't heal mm -hmm. but if it did we'd be like crap there's the entire year gone to waste wow. but you know you can't take that to heart all the time because that's mother nature yeah so we had to enjoy what we were doing wow yeah i mean and it goes back to I mean, mo most of the high performers they focus on the process right mm -hmm. it's an olympian it's an athlete it's what the football player at a high level, they're focused on the process and not so much uh, everything's on the outcome. So no, I mean, these, these are great comments. So, so you're also, you're the host of the Male Entrepreneur Podcast. So what, what will people get 
when they're not listening to the 30 minute hour podcast, but they're listening to that. <laughs> well, well, you know, that podcast was just for fun. Honestly, we started it a couple of probably two, three, maybe even three years ago, but it I literally just started it because it was an opportunity to share what guys think in their own head, but they don't openly say. So that, that was really the, the avenue for, or that you can say the impetus of the, the, the podcast was really to just start talking and share what guys think, have interesting guests on. So for, for guys that just want to tune in and, and, talk, and listen to different topics, so we talk about relationships, we talk about business, we talk about marketing, we talk about fatherhood, just all of these different things that guys are struggling with. A lot of the stuff that I talk about are challenges that I see guys facing. So I just, just take that and then talk about it within the podcast. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like something definitely worth, I mean, you got what, 156 episodes or something, somewhere along those lines? I, I think so, yes. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So let's shift gears a little bit. And we want to talk about your favorite failure. So <laughs> what past failure has contributed to your present success? Uh, past failure, I would say would be my first relationship. Mm. I was with my high school sweetheart for nine years. And I would say I probably wasn't the best boyfriend at that time. Mm. And so uh, we ended up parting ways. And it wasn't, uh, it was mutual. We both learned a lot. We, we, uh, we were with each other because we loved each other. And we were together since in, we were in high school. But we just grew into two different people. And the reason why that was my biggest failure was because I was heartbroken at that time. Mm. I was just shattered because I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with her. And I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And because I, I was just totally in love with her. But mm. when we went our separate ways, it just taught me a big lesson. And I, that's literally when I dove into relationships specifically. And the art of relationships, why men think a certain way in a relationship or do a certain way. What's the best form of communication? How do women operate? What makes relationship work? What is the basis of attraction between a man and a woman? This whole concept of, um, you know, masculinity and femininity and masculine energy and feminine energy and all these different things. Um, so that, that was basically where I, I started that area and of lessons and and I basically grew and learned in terms of the expertise that I have for relationships to help men at this stage right now. So I spent the last, since 2004, studying relationships. And it was really interesting because at that time uh, I had, so this is what I do. Anytime I'm interested in something, I do a deep dive because I'm, I'm kind of a learner at heart and I just go in and I just do a deep dive. And and I was talking to some of the psychologists, top psychologists in the U.S. that were teaching, you can say, relationship studies in university and so forth. And, and all of them agreed that there was this trend that was happening in relationships, especially with men and women and how we were going down an interesting path. And women were becoming more vocal um, and, and men were becoming less masculine, for example. And I was like, this isn't happening. But it's actually over the course of, you know, a, a decade and a bit, almost two decades now, it's actually happened where we have weaker family units, we have men that are afraid to be masculine, and we have this butting heads of masculine and feminine energy um, in terms of how men and women are, you know, butt heads in the workforce and even in families, you know, who wears the pants, all mm. this kind of stuff. So, sorry, I kind of went on a sidetrack there, but, but that, that was my biggest failure. It was heartbreaking, and I didn't want to go through that again. And so I learned everything I could about why relationships work and don't work. Wow. So, so once again, I mean, there's this theme, you know, you experienced that, but you, you channeled it to something positive. Yeah. You know, yeah, a, I, I think that's the, that old saying, right? If it doesn't, if it doesn't uh, kill you, it makes you stronger. Mm. Awesome, awesome. So Perdeep is that guy, that friend, man, you just can't go to him complaining or talking about anything, he's gonna, find a way to help you to channel it man yeah. i just got fired it's okay man it's okay. <laughs> let me help you to channel it man she just left me good man wasn't any good for you let me help you to channel it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what it's 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 one of those things everybody i think has their own path everybody has um i, I believe everybody has a gift and every, god's given everybody a path to follow or you find your own path and mm -hmm. this was kind of mine i just became the guy that 
guys could come to and talk to and I would help them. So that was, uh, that was something that I, I just kind of fell into. Wow. And if you think about it, if you, if you always can maintain that right perspective, it makes you unstoppable. Yeah. Because you, you totally flip the setback. When something happens to you, you're always taking the positive side. So you just keep moving. Yeah, that's one of the things that if you take a look at the characteristics of high performing athletes, high performing business people, the most successful people, even in relationships, the number one characteristic that is common is optimism. Mm-hmm. And so optimism is very powerful when it comes to so many different aspects of life. I would say, you know, that's a one thing uh, that if, if anything has really helped me throughout life, it's the ability to take a negative situation or a, a challenging situation and, and try to find the good in it and the strength in it. Because the one thing I always ask myself is, you know, how do I become better as a person, as a man, as a result of this? Mm. Great. So, so we're, we're now at Ted's favorite part of the show. It's called Around the Horn. This is where... Per, per G, per G. <laughs> this is not my favorite part of the show. And then there's certain episodes when it's really not my favorite part of it. And this is one of those, right? So, because Eric, you know, sets me up. There's a guest like yourself that throughout the show has just been dropping knowledge. I mean, you just write, I'm just writing notes all over the place. Like, I feel like man, like we need to, you didn't need to have a cash app right now. So I can say, Eric, send them some money. Like, like this right here. I mean, just this type of stuff you've been dropping. And so at this point, I know you got something that's going to be just, and I'm going to have to try to follow that. So I, I, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this at all. All right. So, so for those of you that are watching us, or listening for the first time, this is Around the Horn. This is where we each give that closing takeaway that we want to leave the people with. We want you to remember that that one thing we want you to remember about this episode. So you're the guest of honor. What what is your closing takeaway? (laughs) My my closing takeaway would would be, uh, you know, in life, if we really want to succeed, take a look at the people that are around you and and either find a mentor that can help you and and help you uh, teach you the skills or the ways and the experiences that they've learned throughout life but also those people in your life that challenge you and those people in your life that maybe even caused you heartache because those people in a way are your teachers as well and if you turn those teachers into your most powerful teachers you will become that much more powerful you will become indestructible you will learn so much about yourself that no other person will be able to hold you back or bring you down. They will actually fuel you in your ability to get to where you want to be. So if I, if I was to say anything is just, you know what, find the right people, A, that can help you and B, those people that are not helping you and holding you back, use them as leverage because in a way they are helping you. Great. Excellent. Yeah. All right, Ted. No, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough, man. But you know, you know what I got the most out of this, and 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 I think really helped helped me was just the kind of control, like the fact that we kind of decide to control our own balance. Like, what is balance for us? Like, because again, I always feel like, okay, man, I don't have any balance. I'm always working. That's what everybody is saying. You know, they're like, hey, what's going on this week when you have an opening? I'm just looking at everything that's going on. I'm like, I, you know, I don't. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But, you know, I'm in my own balance is, uh, you know, I'm enjoying the process. Like, it doesn't seem like work to me. Like, I enjoy it. So when people are sometimes saying, well, what's your hobby? I'm like, work. Like, <laughs> like, that's kind of my, like, I, you know, I like what I like. I enjoy this. And. And from what I'm hearing is it's, that's, that's my box. That's my bag. So it's not, you know, it may not work for everyone else, but it's nothing wrong with me feeling like I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I've been that guy, I go on these golf trips with my, my friends sometime and they're like, oh, they just leave their laptop and they, you know, they, you know, they, they oh, they turn that phone off. I'm like, what? Leave the laptop and turn the phone off. No, that's my friend. Like, like, I need that. Like, I enjoy that. And so what I'm hearing is, is if it works for me, you know, and, and I'm okay with it, and it's okay. So 
Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, I I really got out of this. I just appreciate just everything that you've said, and you know, it's just uh, just the perspective. Also, the other part is, and I know you know we're supposed to have one final thought, but you know, I have two on this one, right? The, the whole thing about like your emotions, and like really, you know, it's okay to show like you know the emotions and the energy for the things that you that you want when you you know. That, what is it going to feel like when you set, when you, when you achieve that goal? Like, I never really thought of it that way. You know, it's kind of like, and I think what happens in that is that you set these goals and then you do things and you achieve the goals and others are like, man, you did that. And you're like, yeah, but I never really stopped to really celebrate that. And that thing, even though I've said, hey, in the bigger scheme of things, that was only one stepping stone, but to someone else, that was a major thing. Like you've been in business a whole year, 10 years, whatever. That's a big deal to someone that hasn't started a company. You know, and so just, again, you know, it's all a matter of, you know, of, of a perspective, you know, how you look at it. And, you know, I just, I, you know, I've learned a, a lot in this in this in this session and again appreciate you uh appreciate you sharing and taking time awesome so when i think about this around the horn piece i'm reminded of you know you were talking we we're talking about channeling negative energy so um i was uh, watching this virtual award ceremony mm. for they, they were all in these different book genres or fiction or this or that, you know, the best the, the best author. <laughs> and so they announced this one guy's name. And, and he gets and he and when they announce you, you have to do an acceptance speech. Mm. So he gets up there, he does an acceptance speech and he says, first, I want to thank all the publishers who rejected my book. Because <laughs> you motivated me to really work hard. <laughs> Next, I want to thank all the people in my high school class that made fun of me every day and said I would never be anything. Then I want to thank Mary Lou Sansasa. <laughs> you broke up with me. And, that, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. He's got a laundry list. Right. Wow. But you know what though? He, he used those experiences to motivate him. And it kind of goes back to what Pradeep was talking about earlier, that sometimes it can be a negative experience. Sometimes it could be Somebody that says you can't do it, or somebody that rejects you, but you know, making sure that you you channel that into positive positive energy. And, you, and funny thing is, since then, I, I've encouraged some people that I coach to write your acceptance speech. Wow. You know, think about people, especially if I know they've had a lot of people in their life tell them negative things that they couldn't accomplish. Yeah. And I've encouraged, look, write your acceptance speech. How are you going to feel when you're standing on the top of the mountain? What are you going to think about those people that said you couldn't do it? Wow. That's right. powerful. But, but you, you confirmed that that, that, that is a, a powerful motivator that we mm. need to, that we can tap into that when necessary. Absolutely. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So how can people best connect with you, Pradeep? Well, so I'm, I'm pretty much uh, available on, on every social media channel. You can say I don't spend as much time on Facebook these days, but you can reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Those are the two main ones. Or you can uh, contact me if you go to my website, pradeepsanga.com. And there's a, uh, there's a uh, contact form. You can reach out and I'll, and I'll respond personally myself. Oh, fantastic. And how, how can people get a copy of your book? Well, you can go to uh, either Amazon or you can go to completemanbook.com. Or if you can also get a copy of the audio at a discount. So if you go to completemanaudio.com and use the promo code VICTORY75, all one word, you'll get 75% off. So that's completemanaudio.com. All right. VICTORY75. All right. Well, so, question question for you. So, yeah. so seventy five. What's the significance of seventy five? Oh, I just seventy five percent off. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I just I just wanted something simple that people could remember. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just keep it victory seventy five. Nice, victory seventy five. 
Yeah, that, that's easy to remember. That's good stuff. All right. So this, this concludes another amazing episode of the 30-Minute Hour podcast. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, we, we, we took a lot of notes. This, this is one of those episodes I'm going to have to go back and listen. as I'm, I'm going to have to press pause on the treadmill myself. <laughs> put the ham sandwich down. Yeah, put the ham sandwich down and listen to all of the people <laughs> deep shared. Uh, and, and just his amazingly positive perspective. I think that's yeah. something that we could all learn from. Oh, yeah. To keep us moving forward. Pretty, can, can we be friends? Like, I just want to have, because I mean, I may just need to call you from time to time, shoot your text, say, Pradeep, look, man, it's been a long day. You need to get your call, man. Just want to run some, just want to run some stuff by you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Now, you don't, guys, don't, don't charge me, man. This is on a friend. I'm just going to call you as a friend. You guys are the two most entertaining <laughs> podcast hosts I've met in a long, long time. Thank so you, man. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, gentlemen. Thank you so much, man. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. you. And he's gonna say, "Look, you, you can call me, but the clock is ticking." So. The clock is ticking. <laughs> the meter is running. So talk That's slow, right. talk fast. Whatever you want to do. That's right. That's right. But no, thank you, pretty, for what thank you shared. You. I know you've inspired our audience. Uh, this is truly not your everyday podcast. You can go to the thirty-minutehour.net. You can catch us on our thirty-minute-hour Facebook page, the thirty-minute-hour Instagram page. Go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like to get your podcast. There you will find us. And until next time, have a great one.